We're going to head back to our sermon series on, uh, entitled, You Have Heard It Was Said. This is a study of looking at the different phrases in which Jesus says, you have heard it was said to men of old, you have heard it was said, uh, and then he repeats oftentimes a commandment, and then he tries to tell his listeners how that teaching had been twisted by the different rabbis at the time. And to give you an idea of, of where we've been, uh, Jesus uh, said, you know, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you that if you've thought it in your heart, you've essentially murdered someone. He's taking that, boiling that commandment down, saying that those of us who wish someone dead, who are think ill or, or are angry with a brother or sister, that we are just as liable to that as someone who has murdered and physically harmed. So we got to think about our, we called it, um, not just blunt force trauma, but sharply expressed trauma. And then uh, we went on uh, two weeks ago to talk about the forbidding of adultery and how Jesus shows that true love is actually uh, a sacrificing of oneself and a sacrificing of one's desires just as Christ himself sacrificed for us, right? So it's a giving up of something to have a, a better uh, reward later on, perhaps you could say. And today we come to the concept of oaths or, or promises or, or swearing an oath, right? We're we're in a society that it's actually, it's pretty common to swear an oath. There's a variety of uh, levels of oaths that you see in the world. Has anyone visited a doctor recently? Or even in the last year? Physicals? Come on, y'all. Um, well, each doctor that you see has to swear an oath of, of, of saying that they're going to care for the people that are entrusted into, uh, to them as best as they're able to do. If you've watched some crime TV show or something that has courtroom action, you'll see that the witness on the stand has to swear an oath to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. An oath. There's other ones that we see too, maybe every two or four or eight years as people are sworn into office, right? Every four or eight years we see a whole entire ceremony on January 20th where, where the new president of, of the United States is sworn into office and he has to swear an oath that says he will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Uh, none of you watch that like I do? Okay. We see other oaths too. Perhaps when you gather on a Friday or Saturday for a wedding as, as two people uh, who love each other, desire to be united together in marriage, and they swear vows, promises to each other. You see, these, these oaths are something that a promise we make in light of, uh, in front of God, you could say. And there's other, maybe less 
less used, or maybe they're more used, phrases. I swear to God, if you poke me one more time, I'm going to. You like that, Margaret? Right. Or, uh, with God as my witness, I swear I'm telling the truth. These phrases, whether it's I swear to God or as God is my witness, are also some type of oath. You know, I think I maybe heard one of these. Maybe I don't think my parents didn't swear to God, but they, they, did, they did promise, you know, Matt and Steve, if you don't stop messing around in the back of the car, we're going to pull this thing over and we're going to make you walk home. They did pull over once, but they didn't make me walk home, right? They didn't fulfill that promise that they said. We find oaths in the Bible, too, actually. Um, God himself actually commanded people to, to take oaths at times. Uh, we can see a couple examples here where he commands, maybe. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but he must do everything he said. So here, God isn't saying oaths are bad. He's saying that, that it's a fine thing to do, but if you make an oath, you have to be truthful to it. You have to mean what you say and intend to do everything that you've said. We're not supposed to swear falsely. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. What he's saying is if you say an oath to the Lord that you will give something up. We could use an example from several sermons ago, uh, maybe a month ago, there was a vow that Jephthah made to, to give up on the altar any, the first thing that came out of his house, right? And so Jephthah wanted to follow and follow the word, so he's like, he didn't want to profane God by not doing what he said, so he followed through with that action, even though the action was probably would have been, it was worse than if he would have chose to break this instead. Uh, if you're not familiar with that story, he, he ends up offering his own daughter on an altar. An oath is used in the Bible. If an oath is used in the Bible, they can't be all that bad then. Why, why is it that Jesus then wants to correct some teaching about oaths? Why, why does Jesus have, have something to say about this? And, and we'll find out a little bit later. We're going to look at, uh, if this is in your black Bibles, page 786. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 33. Uh, students, that's mainly my kids, uh, if you got your Bible here, it's page 1,177. Calling you out, Cohen. You didn't bring your Bible. Look at that. All right. So, here we go. Let's start at verse 33. Again, you have heard it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, 
for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Up to this point, Jesus usually begins with a commandment, you know, and, and here he doesn't. And, and it makes us wonder, well, what is, he, what is he doing here? The other sections were based on sections from the Ten Commandments, and that made a lot of sense. But now he's just talking about oaths, which were actually really familiar to the people. Why, why then would he have a, a problem with oaths? Well, what happened is God had designed oaths to be taken by swearing to God's name. But what people began to do and what the rabbis began to do was to create a system by which you got to be careful with the words that you said because some oaths, if you say them a certain way, it would mean you would actually fulfill that oath or fulfill that promise. But if you worded it slightly different, it would have the appearance of you being truthful even though you really had no intention of following through with the promise or the oath that you just said. They had created this system of substitutes for the name of God that have association with God that would allow them to be deceitful in their promises. And so he says, don't even swear an oath at all. Don't even swear an oath at all. And then here's where he gets into the different ways that people would swear oaths as a way of not doing them. They would swear an oath by heaven. They would swear an oath by the earth, which is God's, like, his footstool. He would, they would swear an oath by Jerusalem, which was the, the, the great city. And these different ways that they would swear an oath would determine whether or not they're going to do this or not. So I got some, some quotes. If one swore by Jerusalem, it was not biting. But if you said, I swear towards Jerusalem, then it would be a binding oath. You get the difference there. Yeah, Mike, you're... Your face is telling it all. If one swore by the temple, it is not binding. But if you swore by the temple's gold, then it would be a binding oath. If you swore by the altar of sacrifice, it would not be a binding oath. But if you swore by the gift on the altar, then it would be a binding oath. They just created this system of semantics that would determine whether or not you needed to fulfill what you said. What they wanted to do was say the right thing, but not have to follow through on what it is that they had to do. It's the rabbinic teaching that really 
perverted the purpose of oaths, which was to, to have something be trustworthy by calling on the name of God and showing that they were going to be honest with what they were doing and that they were truly going to follow through with what they said. But what the people ended up doing was creating this system so they could just avoid God's punishment, essentially. If you remember, if you swear an oath by God's name, then you should really fulfill it. So they were trying to figure out ways to swear an oath by something other than God's name, his throne, Jerusalem, the earth, by heaven, by the temple, as a way of being deceitful, speaking with dishonesty, essentially making their own words pretty worthless. And what Jesus says uh, later on, anything more than yes or no, and, and you're really, it's really from the evil one. He's hearkening to our mind, the, the first deceiver, Satan, saying that if, if we need to add something more to our speech, if we need to, to make an oath to tell the truth, then all of our other words are really just worthless in deception. And that it's the reality is our, our words by themselves, on their own, without saying, honest to God, not saying, I swear to God, not saying, with God as my witness, not saying, I promise that when we say something, we should truly mean it, and we should truly mean to fulfill what we say. In this, we actually come back to a commandment. Uh, the second commandment is don't take the Lord's name in vain or honor the Lord's name. And, and what the people were doing by swearing oaths to something else was, was swearing oaths to things that were worthless, using a, a placeholder instead, but really trying to, to mean God. It's in the same way uh, when people today... Uh, know that it's, it's, it's bad to take the Lord's name in vain so they use another word for it, but they really mean God. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. O-M-G. Any of those things is just a placeholder, and that's what the temple in Jerusalem and so on were. They were trying to do it as a way of tracing it back to God, but it really wasn't wasn't what they should be doing. The Heidelberg Catechism actually talks about oaths in their section about the Lord's name. And so we're going to look at that. This is a teaching tool that's been around for centuries. Uh, it starts with a question and it comes up with an answer. It says, must we swear an oath in God's name if we do it reverently? Yes. When the government demands it or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote truth and trustworthiness, for God's glory and our neighbor's good. So they say swearing oaths is okay, right? If we do it reverently in the name of God, if we do it reverently in the courtroom, if you're a, a doctor and you reverently swear an oath to protect people. See, I have a, you see an oath. May we swear an oath 
by saints or other creatures, and this gets into the concept that we're talking about, really. May we swear an oath by the temple, may we swear an oath by Jerusalem, by the throne, by, you know, so on. No. A legitimate oath means calling upon God as the one who knows my heart. I really did a bad job typing this. To witness to my truthfulness and to punish me if I swear falsely. No creature is worthy of such honor. So really what Jesus is coming back is is the honor that he is due. He is not receiving, and the people are trying to be dishonest by not using his name appropriately. They're being unfaithful in their words, and by being unfaithful with their words, they're dragging God's name through the mud all the while. Unmet promises and deception is not a reflection of who God is and what he stands for. Because God is not deceitful, God doesn't word things in a way to to be able to weasel his way of out of of what he's saying. No, instead, oftentimes, God is is the one who will make the biggest sacrifice he can to, to make sure that promise comes true because God is a promise keeper. So here, Jesus says, just simply say yes or no. Let your words be clear. Let the, the things you say be what you mean. Don't add words into it to, to show your truthfulness. Oftentimes, honestly, if I'm talking to somebody and, and they're talking and then they say something like, I promise to do this. And then they have to add more words to emphasize the promise. It's like, well, have you like failed promises in the past? Right? Have you been dishonest in the past that I I can't trust you to be truthful with me? I was watching a a show recently. uh, It's called Barnhouse Builders, I think. I watch weird stuff. And this guy, he takes uh, these barns down and makes them into cabins. These are like 200-year-old structures. There was one that like Abraham Lincoln's uncle put up, and it was up there for however long, and he took this thing down, and he was building it into this this new structure that was going to have like a modern home inside, and he was showing it off to his prospective buyer and the buyer was interested, and the buyer wanted to buy it. And he's like, okay, good. I'm going to give you a contract right now. And he reaches out his hand and shakes his hand. He says, that's it. That's all we need. How many of us live in a world where what we say is what we mean, and we could get by with buying a house with a handshake? I don't see anybody raising their hands. How many of us could buy a car with a handshake? Typically, that's not what happens. Your hand's going to get sore from how many times you need to sign your name to get that house or your car. And this teaching about letting your yes be yes and your no be no, this transparency within your speech is something that even James latches on to. We see it in, in the book of James. Above all, my brothers and sisters, 
do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Transparency in our words. That means we need to be careful with our words. Because as the passage said, you can't make a hair white or black. Like if I pick out one of my white beard hairs and look at it, there's no way I can make that restore its color. I'm, I'm, I'm just stuck with gray in here, right? There's, there's no way that we can be in control of everything that we could say, I promise I'll be there Friday. Well, what if something else comes up and you can't be there? I promise that we're going to go camping on Friday night. We didn't say that, by the way. But, you know, we, we cannot make and will ourselves to do something, so therefore we need to be very careful with our speech. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't just flippantly say something and then realize you can't fulfill what you've said. Because really, our word... Isn't our word just bonded to the integrity of, of who we are? If, if you go throughout life and are, are dishonest with most of the people that you interact with and, and are, are burning bridges, so to speak, between people, it's going to be perhaps getting around that, well, you can't trust anything that that person says. They just say whatever's in their mind at the moment to get them through that situation. Instead, you probably want to be known as an individual that, that means what they say and can be relied upon as faithful to do what you've said you're going to do. That if you're going to be there at five, you're going you're to be there at five. That if you say you're going to care for someone's needs, or even that if you say that you're going to pray for someone. How many of you have heard the words, I'll pray for you? Do you ever wonder if that person actually does? It's kind of a phrase that we flippantly say when we hear of an issue going on. Oh, I'll pray for you. Like later, like in an hour, in like a day, whenever it's convenient. What do, our, what do our words say when we bring that up? Are we ones who are reliable that every single thing that we say will happen? Maybe, maybe you have a book that you write down all the people's names that you said you're going to pray for. And, and then make sure you, you come back to that. And then when you find out a situation, you again ask a person later on, hey, how did that actually go? I was thinking about you. I'm, I'm reliable to my word that I'm going I'm to do what I'm going to say, and I, and I want to know because I'm invested in your life. The whole reason we're to be reliable with our word is because God is reliable with his. 
the Wednesday morning prayer group, they meet at 6 a.m., which is, by my account, way too early, and I'm not there every week. I'll just put that out there. But they have a practice that I think is, is pretty interesting. Every, every person that comes uh, brings, uh, not necessarily their Bible, but they bring a verse. And, and the verse is, one of the promises that God has put in Scripture that they share with the group and, and then praying over that promise. Because if the promise is in Scripture, that means God is going to fulfill that promise. God is going to see to it that those promises come fulfilled. And through Scripture, we can, we can see the extent that God will go to make sure his promises are kept. If you think about it, God, God fulfilled his promise to Abram when he said he would make him into a, a great nation and uh, when he said that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And, and for a while it didn't seem like that would be the case, but today you would say, yes, that, that promise has been fulfilled. His descendants surely are as numerous as the stars in the sky. God, he fulfilled his promise to David to have an everlasting throne. And at the time they probably thought it was just going to be well, it'd just be his descendant on the throne time after time after time after time, not thinking about how it would be Christ and the throne wouldn't be a physical one. The throne would be an eternal heavenly throne. God surely has fulfilled that promise. We could see how our God is a, a promise keeper by looking at the life of Jesus Jesus was always calculated in the words that he spoke, and he fulfilled every word that he spoke. When he said he would forgive someone spiritually, it meant that they were forgiven. It meant that they were freed from their sin. When Jesus spoke the words of healing, he set people free from their ailments. He's a, a promise keeper. And we see with Jesus even more that he's willing to keep his word even if he loses something in the process. And I think that's the hard thing when it comes in our life. Are we willing to fulfill a promise when we lose something in the process? Jesus would, would go on to fulfill his words. He'd say, as we, I think we read earlier, you can't go where, where I'm going to go. He fulfilled his words that said, no one, no one can handle the burden that I'm about to bear. He fulfilled his words even when it meant that he was going to go to, to a cross. Praying, Lord, if it's your will, take it from me. But then having the wherewithal to fulfill those promised words that would provide salvation for all people. We have faith in God's word. We can have faith that his promise of a return would come true. 
because he said he would destroy the temple in three days and, and build it back up. And we saw him three days after he died rise from the grave fully there in bodily form for Thomas to see him, for the disciples to see him. We can have trust in him because he came back once right then and there that he too will come back again to restore all things to be new. We can have faith in God because he is a, a promise keeper. He is a trustworthy and faithful God. And because he is that, that's what he calls us to be. He calls us to be a trustworthy and faithful follower. One where people can put trust in us to do what we say we'll do. To let our yes be yes. And our no be no. Nothing more than that. Let us pray. Lord, you call us to be faithful with our words. And we need your spirit for that. On our own, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us are too weak to always fulfill everything we've said we'd do. But just as Jesus himself was empowered by the Spirit, we too have the same empowerment. And, and so empower us each and every day for, to fulfill the words we say. Empower us each and every day that we would be conscious of how we speak to people. Let our words stand on their own, showing you to be faithful and us to be a faithful follower. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.